Chapter Three of the Story of Aristotle's Philosophy by Will Durant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The Foundation of Logic. The first great distinction of Aristotle is that almost without predecessors, almost entirely by his own hard thinking, he created a new science, logic. Renan speaks of the ill-training of every mind that has not directly or indirectly come under Greek discipline. But in truth, the Greek intellect itself was undisciplined and chaotic till the ruthless formulae of Aristotle provided a ready method for the test and correction of thought. Even Plato, if a lover may so far presume, was an unruly and irregular soul caught up too frequently in a cloud of myth and letting beauty too richly veil the face of truth aristotle himself as we shall see violated his own canons plentifully but then he was the product of his past and not of that future which his thought would build the political and economic decay of greece brought a weakening of the hellenic mind and character after aristotle but when a new race after a millennium of barbaric darkness found again the leisure and ability for speculation it was aristotle's organon of logic translated by boethius four seventy to five twenty five a d that became the very mould of medieval thought the strict mother of that scholastic philosophy which though rendered sterile by encircling dogmas nevertheless trained the intellect of adolescent europe to reasoning and subtlety constructed the terminology of modern science and laid the bases of that same maturity of mind which was to outgrow and overthrow the very system and methods which had given it birth and sustenance logic means simply the art and method of correct thinking it is the logi or method of every science of every discipline and every art and even music harbors it it is a science because to a considerable extent the processes of right thinking and we use right not in a moral but in a mathematical sense can be reduced to rules like physics and geometry and taught to any normal mind it is an art because by practice it gives to thought at last that unconscious and immediate accuracy which guides the fingers of the pianist over his instrument to effortless harmonies nothing is so dull as logic and nothing so important there was a hint of this new science in socrates's maddening insistence on definitions and in plato's constant refining of every concept aristotle's little treatise on definitions shows how his logic found nourishment at this source if you wish to converse with men said voltaire define your terms how many a debate would have been deflated into a paragraph if the disputants had dared to define their terms this is the alpha and omega of logic the heart and soul of it that every important term in serious discourse shall be subjected to strictest scrutiny and definition it is difficult and ruthlessly tests the mind but once done it is half of any task yet how shall we proceed to define an object or a term aristotle answers that every good definition has two parts stands on two solid feet first 
it assigns the object in question to a class or group of objects whose general characteristics are also its own so man is first of all an animal and secondly it indicates wherein the object differs from all the other members of its class so man in the aristotelian system is a rational animal his specific difference is that unlike all other animals he is rational here you see is the origin of a pretty legend aristotle drops an object into the ocean of its class then takes it out all dripping with generic meaning with the marks of its kind and group while its individuality and difference shine out all the more clearly for this juxtaposition with other objects which resemble it so much and are so different passing out from this rear line of logic we come into the great battlefield on which aristotle fought out with plato the dread question of universals it was the first conflict in a war which was to last till our own day and make all medieval europe ring with the clash of realists and nominalists a universal to aristotle is any common noun any name capable of universal application to the members of a class so animal man book tree are universals but these universals are subjective notions not tangibly objective realities they are nomina names not race things all that exists outside us is a world of individual and specific objects not of generic and universal things men exist and trees and animals but man in general or the universal man does not exist except in thought he is a handy mental abstraction and not an external presence or reality now aristotle understands plato to have held that great universals have objective existence and indeed plato has said that the universal is incomparably more lasting and important and substantial than the individual the latter being but a little wavelet in a ceaseless surf men come and go but man goes on forever aristotle's is a matter-of-fact mind as william james would say a tough not a tender mind he sees the root of endless mysticism and scholarly nonsense in this platonic realism and he attacks it with all the vigour of a first polemic as brutus loved not caesar less but rome more so aristotle says amicas plato sed magis amica veritas dear is plato but dearer still is truth a hostile commentator might remark that aristotle like nietzsche criticizes plato so keenly because he is conscious of having borrowed from him generously no man is a hero to his debtors but aristotle has a healthy attitude nevertheless he is a realist almost in the modern sense he is resolved to concern himself with the objective presence while plato is absorbed in a subjective future or to juggle with the words aristotle has a present objective and plato's subject is the future there was in the socratic platonic demand for definitions a tendency away from things and facts 
to theories and ideas from particulars to generalities from science to scholasticism at last plato became so devoted to generalities that they began to determine his particulars so devoted to ideas that they began to define or select his facts aristotle preaches a return to things to the unwithered face of nature and reality he had a lusty preference for the concrete particular for the flesh and blood individual but plato so loved the general and universal that in the republic he destroyed the individual to make a perfect state yet as is the usual humour of history the young warrior takes over many of the qualities of the old master whom he assails we have always goodly stock in us of that which we condemn as only similars can be profitably contrasted so only similar people quarrel and the bitterest wars are over the slightest variations of purpose or belief the knightly crusaders found in saladin a gentleman with whom they could quarrel amicably but when the christians of europe broke into hostile camps there was no quarter for even the courtliest foe aristotle is so ruthless with plato because there is so much of plato in him he too remains a lover of abstractions and generalities repeatedly betraying the simple fact for some speciously bedizened theory and compelled to a continuous struggle to conquer the philosophical passion for exploring the empyrean there is a heavy trace of this in the most characteristic and original of aristotle's contributions to philosophy the doctrine of the syllogism a syllogism is a trio of propositions of which the third the conclusion follows from the conceded truth of the other two the major and minor premises for example man is a rational animal but socrates is a man therefore socrates is a rational animal the mathematical reader will see at once that the structure of the syllogism resembles the proposition that two things equal to the same thing are equal to each other if a is b and c is a then c is b as in the mathematical case the conclusion is reached by cancelling from both premises their common term a so in our syllogism the conclusion is reached by cancelling from both premises their common term man and combining what remains the difficulty as logicians have pointed out from the days of pyrrho to those of stuart mill lies in this that the major premise of the syllogism takes for granted precisely the point to be proved for if socrates is not rational and since no one questions that he is a man it is not universally true that man is a rational animal aristotle would reply no doubt that where an individual is found to have a large number of qualities characteristic of a class socrates is a man a strong presumption is established that the individual has the other qualities characteristic of the class rationality but apparently the syllogism is not a mechanism for the discovery of truth 
so much as for the clarification of exposition and thought all this then like the many other items of the organon has its value aristotle has discovered and formulated every canon of theoretical consistency and every artifice of dialectical debate with an industry and acuteness which cannot be too highly extolled and his labours in this direction have perhaps contributed more than any other single writer to the intellectual stimulation of after ages but no man ever lived who could lift logic to a lofty strain a guide to correct reasoning is as elevating as a manual of etiquette we may use it but it hardly spurs us to nobility not even the bravest philosopher would sing to a book of logic underneath the bough one always feels toward logic as virgil bade dante feel toward those who had been damned because of their colourless neutrality non ragionam di lor ma guarda e passa let us think no more about them but look once and pass on End of chapter three